Hello, and welcome to a new episode of the Retro Rankings Podcast, where every episode I aim to please, but in a good way, given that everybody's definition of what is pleasurable to them is sometimes questionable. I'm your host, Paul, and uh, today's going to be kind of not video game related. Uh, I decided to uh, kind of work in, like I said, not every episode is going to be uh, around retro video gaming. Um, I decided that I was going to work in some things related to comic books on this episode. So if you're not familiar, the Retro Rankings Podcast is a top seven format of whatever I want to rank, and the rankings are according to my thoughts and feelings on the subject matter and each individual piece that falls into place. So you can agree, you can disagree. That's what we're all here for, right? That's what makes the world go round. Um, so it's going to be kind of a kind of a quick one, um, only because it also has to do with movies, and I might discuss movies a little bit more in depth at a later date, or even sometimes on Potation Rotation on YouTube. That's right. Potation Rotation uh, is the overall arching company that is responsible for this podcast and for content on YouTube, so go check that out as well. Anyway, uh, so let's just uh, touch on some video game stuff. Usually I try to try to do that at the top of every episode. Um so since the last podcast, which was on the 10th, um, all of a sudden out of nowhere, Axiom Verge 2 showed up a day later um, on the PC and the Switch. So people were wanting at least a trailer, some kind of news for a sequel, and bam, the entire game dropped. So there you go. Axiom Verge 2 came out on the 11th. I think we worked ourselves all the way up to like... Ghost of Tsushima, Director's Cut, and Madden. Um, so we uh, we worked our way up through about now. Um, but let's see, what else has uh, been out and about? Uh, we got Aliens, uh, Fireteam Elite. That is out today um, on the PC and the PS4 and the PS5 and the Xbox One and the Xbox Series X and S. Um, I think I said Psychonauts 2 was coming. Uh, I might have touched that briefly upon uh, the last episode. Um, Steam Early Access to Rogue Spirit is on the 25th. No More Heroes 3 on the Switch on the 27th. Um, got Monster Harvest on the PS4, the Xbox One, the Switch, the PC on the 31st. Um, hmm. I don't know what else is really good coming out in the rest of August here. Um, we can go ahead and and slip right into uh, about the first week of September. Uh, we've got um, RICO London. That's on the PC, PS4, Xbox One, and the Switch on September 2nd. Can't forget, you know, y- you take any kind of job and you can turn it into a simulator. Uh, if you all were fans of Surgeon Simulator, we've got Surgeon Simulator 2. On September 2nd, that'll be Steam, Xbox One, and the Xbox Series X and S. Uh, we also have Golf Club Wasteland on September 3rd for the PC, PS4, Xbox One, and the Switch. And I am looking forward to the Sonic Colors Ultimate Edition. 
That is the remaster of Sonic Colors, and that is going to be on the PC, PS4, Xbox One, and the Switch September 7th. So that rounds out the first week, first week of gaming for just some, uh, some titles that I've been hearing a little bit more about, uh, over others. I mean, there's probably like a good, you know, 15 more games or whatever, but we're not going to get into all that. And seeing that it is also August 24th as this, uh, airs, uh, it is also my brother's birthday, Keith of the Main Quest podcast. It is his birthday. Happy birthday. Um, I, I hope that you enjoy your teenage years. So anyway, uh, moving along here, uh, what else have I been up to? Well, surprisingly enough, um, I can't get enough of lawnmower, lawn mowing simulator. Um, it's, <laughs> it's oddly satisfying for me. It's not the best game. Uh, there's, you know, it's, it's got its issues. It's got its drawbacks. It's got its, you know, uh, things where, um, like how the mower operates that aren't exactly true to real life. Um, but you know, it is what it is. And, um, I'm kind of getting a kick out of it. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. So, uh, I've been playing that. I've been doing a lot of revolving, uh, around, around stuff. Uh, finally went back to, uh, Skyward Sword, uh, for a little bit, uh, longer as well. Uh, still haven't finished Death's Door. Um, I kind of rage quit at one point on that game and I decided it was time for me to take a break. Um, so, and yeah, um, other than that, I've been super busy. Like I said on my last, uh, episode, been super busy and, um, you know, I'm trying to find time to do things outside of the house as well we had the state fair and we had some local festivals as well um one for suicide prevention and awareness um that there i did an episode on on potation rotation reviews on youtube that aired on the 20th so that was about four days ago so he goes go go check that out uh it's a food truck review and an event that was raising money for suicide awareness and prevention uh other than that, um, went to Chicago for, uh, AEW Rampage at the United Center. First wrestling event I've been to, whew, man, I don't know. It, it's been over 10, it's been maybe 15 years even. I, I'm not even sure how long it's been, uh, to a major one. I went to Ring of Honor probably within the last 10 years or something. Small little event downtown Milwaukee. Um, but like major, like I've been wishy-washy with wrestling all my life. I grew up on it with the WWF back in the mid eighties. Um, started watching it and, you know, went to WCW, went back to, you know, then the WWE and then, um, actually went to ring of honor for a while. I could never really get back into WWE. Uh, it was just boring and stale and storylines just took too long. And how many rematches can two people have to stretch out a storyline and, and some of my favorite wrestlers were, you know, were going, you know, the rock left, uh, you know, to start his acting career and the edge, uh, edge actually, I mean, he's back now, but he ended up retiring. CM Punk left. We all know what happened with CM Punk, but anyway, AEW, uh, I got in on that at the ground floor and I've been with it ever since. Uh, it's a great promotion. Uh, so far they've been doing everything right. Um, so yeah, I was, uh, 
largest largest crowd for AEW yet was at the United Center. It sold out. I think it sold out in like in half an hour or something like that. Um, so yeah, that was a good time. And uh, I mean, you know that they're putting out good stuff if your your girlfriend who used to bash you for watching wrestling. I watched wrestling. I watched the WWF or WWE until CM Punk left, and then I was like, that that's it. Uh, I, I'm done with the storylines that are lingering, um, and, and never too kind, never too kind when I would watch Raw or SmackDown. Um, so I'm like, that's all right. I don't need to watch it anyway, but she's, she's hooked on AEW. She, she's got her favorite wrestlers and, uh, and so that's not a bad thing. Uh, other than that, I was preparing for my trip, uh, business trip, uh, out to Fort Collins so I've been trying to just, uh, you know, stay the course with, with kind of alternating uh, around games, and then sometimes I might have to take a backseat. Something's going to have to take a backseat at some point. I don't know. It's probably always going to be Skyward Sword because I still am like, eh, about that game. Even the the remake here, the HD remake, I'm still kind of eh about it. So I have no problem with that one taking a backseat. Um, Oh, I've been talking about finishing Spirit Tracks. I haven't picked that up in like a month, and I need to, I need to finish that because I need to get another Zelda, the handheld Zelda titles episode out uh, in the next couple months. But anyway, so that's that's what I've been up to. Uh, other than that, uh, let's just hop right into this episode. I'm gonna try to keep it short. Uh, we are talking the top seven superhero movies of all time, according to. Well, before I forget, let me tell you something. I'm drinking water. I forgot. It's because it's not a big deal. It's just water today. Uh, I've kind of got a sore throat. Yeah, I've got kind of got a sore throat and. If I didn't have to record today, I wouldn't have, but uh, I needed to get this in the can. So, water, it's man's best friend. Well, it's my best friend today. Dog is man's best friend, but the water is my best friend. Anyway, so let's get right into it. Seven. Wonder Woman. So, yeah, Wonder Woman, um, it was tough for a minute there. I was, I was battling between what I was going to do, uh, between seven and eight, because after watching The Suicide Squad, I was like, and I knew this episode was coming up, I was like, oh, man, is that going to break into my seven? It's, it's definitely in my top ten, and it's, The Suicide Squad is really good. It's really good if you haven't seen it. I suggest you check it out, but um, I struggled. I struggled. Uh, it did not. So it sits at number eight. I'm just going to give you that much. But number seven, yes, Wonder Woman. Uh, 
It's a DC uh, film. <laughs> it was released in theaters June second, twenty seventeen, and uh, it started streaming July tenth, twenty seventeen. It runs at about two hours and twenty one minutes. The box office gross for Wonder Woman was four hundred and twelve point eight million dollars, and uh, like I said, it falls within the DC extended universe. A little bit of information um, before she was Wonder Woman. Uh, she was Diana, Princess of the Amazons. And when I say she, also the actress Gal Gadot. Um, she was Princess of the Amazons, uh, trained to be an unconquerable warrior. Raised on a sheltered island paradise, Diana meets an American pilot, played by Chris Pine, who tells her about the massive conflict that's raging in the outside world. Convinced that she can stop the threat... Diana leaves her home for the first time, fighting alongside men in a war to end all wars. She finally discovers her full powers and true destiny. Well, full powers is subjective. It depends upon if you consider what she does in the sequel to unleash even more powers. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, the sequel, let's not talk about that. Uh, yeah, so I just remember when I saw Wonder Woman, I was absolutely blown away uh, how good it was. I think that it has a lot to do with every time the action was about to pump up, you kind of had her theme song start, and it kind of got your adrenaline going uh, along with it. Um, but yeah, so what, who else stars in there? Uh, Kylie Nielsen uh, is in there, and Robin Wright, and... Uh, Danny Thewlis, who um, is from the Harry Potter uh, series, by the way. Danny Houston is in there as well. Um, it's it's a good movie. It's 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 definitely if you filter out the DC universe movies, not just DC movies, because there's there's a couple in here um, that are DC that have nothing to do with the DC universe, but uh, it's it's easily it's easily one of the best um, so far. What does that mean uh, when <laughs> you're comparing it to, you know, the likes of Man and Steel, Man of Steel, and Batman versus Superman, and the original Suicide Squad? Well, I mean, <laughs> it. That's why, like, using the yardstick, it's like leaps and bounds, like one of the top DCEU movies. Um, and I could give away. You know, like my list of, if we were going to like to do a list of DC EU movies, I could like give away like what some of my other ones are around Wonder Woman. Um, but I, that will save that for another time. But it's, that's just simply put, Wonder Woman is just leaps and, leaps and bounds way ahead of, of any of the other DC, DC EU movies, in my opinion. And that's why it falls on number seven. All right, so on to the next one. Six. Superman, the movie. Now, 
We're talking about the OG, the movie that, in my opinion, started it all. I mean, you think about it, you had four Superman movies. The first one starting in 1978. And, uh, you know, then only a few years after the fourth one, which we don't talk about here either, uh, you had Batman come out with Michael Keaton. So it, it was pretty much seamless for 11 years. We had five DC movies hit the big screen, and it all started with Superman the movie. Um, the th- best thing about it was that it it blended humor and gravitas, and it took advantage of. I mean, Christopher Reeves is the penultimate Superman. I mean, don't get me wrong, Henry Cavill, in my opinion, ended up being a pretty good Superman. It's just too bad he had shit to work with. Um. But Christopher Reeve is – so far, I don't think anybody's going to ever replace Christopher Reeve. Um, but, you know, it, it helped that he crafted a, a loving, nostalgic tribute to what ends up being an American pop culture icon in, in Superman. So uh, it was rated PG. And uh, it, if you were to put it in a collection of films, it would just be the Superman films. There's no extended universe. There was no such thing back in the day. Um, like I said, it came out in 1978. Um, and it wasn't available, uh, for streaming for another 30 years, uh, in 2008. Uh, it comes in at two hours and 23 minutes and a little bit of information for you. Just before the destruction of the planet Krypton, scientist Jor-El, who is also played by Marlon Brando, by the way, sends his infant son Cal-El on a spaceship to Earth. Raised by kindly farmers Jonathan, played by Glenn Ford, and Martha Kent, played by Phyllis Thaxter, a young Clark, Christopher Reeve, discovers the source of his superhuman powers and moves to Metropolis to fight evil. As Superman, he battles the villainous Lex Luthor, played by Gene Hackman, while as Novus reporter Clark Kent, he attempts to woo co-worker Lois Lane, played by Margot Kidder. Um, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't get any better than the OG Superman. Uh, it's it's fancy for its time. It's extravagant for its time. Um, and the actors, not just Christopher Reeve, but all of them, are perfectly cast, which just enhance the story enhance, you know, and, and just the, the film, the way Richard Donner, uh, what he does with it is fantastic filmmaking. Um, probably one of his finer films in my opinion. Um, and I pretty much, I think I pretty much covered everybody that was in it. Oh, we got to give a shout out to Ned Beatty. Of course, who played Otis and Jackie Cooper, who was, uh, you know, uh, pretty good Perry White. Probably not the best Perry White, but, I mean, we'll take it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen the original Superman, there's something wrong with you. Like, you shouldn't see, you shouldn't be allowed to see any super superhero movies, in my opinion, until you see the one that, that started it off. If it wasn't, if it wasn't for this film, I don't know when, you know, these type of films would have ever taken off and how well they would have done once they did. I will still argue to this day that I don't think we would be where we are in this renaissance of comic book related films 
without having had Superman the movie back in 1978. So, Superman the movie, 1978, Superman the movie, comes in at number six on my list. All right, moving right along here. And uh, some of these are going to start getting a little bit more. I like the gritty, realistic stuff. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Gritty, gritty and realistic. Uh, the darker, the better. But here we go. Five. Logan. there to say about Logan it's it was the movie the Wolverine movie that everybody wanted and yet how good it was we didn't ask for it to be that good like <laughs> uh, we wanted something dark and gritty and violent um, we wanted that that Wolverine and we knew Hugh Jackman could do it and he did it and unfortunately that was the last time that we saw it, uh, we finally got what we wanted, and then there was no more. Or is there? I don't know. There's always been rumors this year of of Hugh Jackman returning to the role uh, now under Marvel. But you know, I I as much as I would like to see him uh, keep playing uh, Wolverine, I kind of feel like it's time for him to move on. But um, you know, he made the most out of this one for the last outing. Like I said, it was gritty and his performance was nuanced um, in a violent, but surprisingly thoughtful superhero action film. Um, and much like other films of its kind, which I can say like Joker, it does not appear on this list, um, but it is in my top 10. Um <laughs> It's number 10. Uh, <laughs> um, like, it just... It takes the superhero genre and just turns it upside down. You know, those type of films. And another one also that's on my list here uh, a little later. Actually, two more. Uh, but, um, yeah, it was... It was R-rated. I mean, as soon as every, as soon as we heard that Logan was going to be R-rated, everybody was like, okay, you know, that, that checks one box. Let's keep going here. Um, and mostly because, uh, the language was finally perverse and the violence was finally brutal. Um, and, uh, oh, it was directed by James Mangold as well. I, I should probably be throwing that out there. Like who's, you know, producing it or directing it or writing it. But, uh, James Mangold, he directed it and he wrote it and it came out on March 3rd, 2017. And it streamed May 16th, 2017. And the box office gross was $226.3 million. The runtime was 2 hours and 17 minutes. And it falls within the, we'll just call it the X-Men films, the X-Men universe, so to speak. Um, it's got Hugh Jackman, played Logan. Uh, Patrick Stewart returns as Professor Xavier. Uh, Daphne Keene plays Laura. And who else? Uh, Richard E. Grant played Dr. Rice. I think that's pretty much pretty much all we need to know. And the, the information I want to give you on that is in the near future. A weary Logan 
uh, cares for an ailing Professor X at a remote outpost on the Mexican border. His plan to hide from the outside world gets upended when he meets a young mutant who is very much like him, and that is Laura. Uh, Logan must now protect the girl and battle the dark forces that want to capture her. And everybody kind of thought that maybe this was a passing of the torch and that Laura would get her own uh, film. Uh, that did not happen. Um, however, um, it, it's that's fine. It's fine. Nonetheless, it's, it's just, it's good. We're all right. Um, the ending, uh, it was bold and poignant, and it provided a kind of a closure anyway, you know, to at least Logan's story, and that's fine. We can only just surmise what Laura went on and did, and that's how imaginations are born. But yes, Logan, Logan, good movie. Uh, if um, any of the X-Men movies or the other Wolverine movies put you off and you never dreamed of even seeing Logan because you were done with uh, the shitty crap that Hugh Jackman was given, well, not all the X-Men movies. The original X-Men and, and X2 were were good. They start getting questionable after that, but uh and the two Wolverine movies, just forget about it. Forget about it. But Logan, if you haven't seen it, uh highly recommended. Logan comes in at number five on my list today. Alright. And we are rolling right along here, and my allergies are starting to act up, which sucks, but thank God for editing. Or the crow. Anybody that knows me and has seen, uh, I'm sure that there was a list that I did uh, earlier on uh, on Potation Rotation on YouTube um, where this movie was in a top list of like all-time movies or something like that, maybe. Um, the Crow. And then, then yet again, some people are going to be surprised that this is number four. <laughs> It, it it was it's tough. It's tough for this for me to even think that this is at number four, and I usually have to give myself reasons as to why it's at number four. Like because I always want to rank it higher. I just absolutely adore everything about the crow. Uh, I was just a crow freak when the when the movie came out, um, and and that was back in nineteen ninety four, May May nineteen ninety four. I don't know how many times I saw it at theater. Um, and by the time I saw it, it was already like at the discount theater or like the dollar theater or whatever. So like I just kept going every week until its run was over. And then as soon as I could buy a copy at Blockbuster on VHS, I did that as well. Uh, first credit card I had, um, I think it was probably about a year and a half later. First credit card I had was JCPenney's. And I bought a leather trench coat, uh, with it. First purchase ever on a credit card. Um, grew my hair out 
at one point it was pitch black. Uh, you know, I just uh, posters. I would do art drawings and paintings. I think of the crow and started getting into the comics. Then at that point, and um, yeah, I even own all the sequels. Even the the the. I mean, look, <laughs> City of Angels isn't perfect. But for what it is, I like it. I mean, it's somewhat enjoyable. It's, it's, I've seen worse. And in worse, I mean the two movies after that that were direct to DVD. Yeah. I, I own those, but I have not ever rewatched them. <laughs> they just sit there because it completes my collection of Crow films. But, um, and the series wasn't bad either. The series wasn't bad either. But, uh, yeah. Um, Nostalgia is the only reason, really, overall, when I when it, when I think about it, nostalgia is the only reason why it would be higher, and I can't do that. I can't do that, and you'll probably see why, given the next uh, three films. But anyway, um, the film was rated R and was unfortunately Brandon Lee's last film, as he was accidentally killed on set by a um, lodged blank. Um, that, that fired off and, uh, tragically it, uh, it killed him. Um, it was directed by Alex Proyas, uh, and, uh, Alex Proyas is probably a name you probably know nowadays and produced by Jeff Most and Ed Edward R. Pressman, which are also names, uh, that you might know in sci-fi and, and comic book, uh, movies. Uh, as I said, it was released May. And that's 11th, by the way, in 1994. Um, it didn't start streaming for the first time until like five years ago. Um, and it doesn't sound, doesn't sound like a lot, uh, but the box office was $47.3 million. But you got to consider, I think that it took maybe about $15 million to make the film, it was kind of considered a uh, low budget for a you know, superhero film, if you will, uh, an underground superhero film, fifteen million. So it made its money back and then some. Um, funnily enough, I think it could have done better with some better promotion around it. I didn't even know anything about the movie until somebody said, "Let's go see it," and I'm like, "What the hell is the crow?" Um, <laughs> And my life changed forever uh, that evening. But um, a little bit more information here. Uh, the night before his wedding, musician Eric Draven, played by Brandon Lee, and his fiancée are brutally murdered by members of a violent inner-city gang. On the anniversary of their death, Eric rises from the grave and assumes the gothic mantle of The Crow, a supernatural avenger. Tracking down the thugs responsible for the crimes and mercilessly murdering them, Eric eventually confronts head gangster Top Dollar, played by Michael Wincott, to complete his macabre mission. Uh, it also stars uh, Ernie Hudson as Sergeant Albrecht, and we all know Ernie Hudson from Ghostbusters, of course. Uh, no other really notable actors, I guess, in this film. I mean, really... Uh, you've got Rochelle Davis who plays Sarah, who's a main character, um, kind of bridging the whole Eric to Shelley, who was his fiance, and Officer Albrecht. She's kind of like the, the middleman that kind of makes sure that everything kind of flows together. 
So, um, but that's really about it. Ernie Hudson, Brandon Lee, Rochelle Davis, those are like the only three you really need to really care about. The other thing that it had going for it was soundtrack. Uh, in my opinion, still one of the best film soundtracks uh, to this day. And also, it was the movie that actually got me uh, since Back to the Future. Um, so I'm talking like it had been 10 years. Uh, Back to the Future was the only other film where I actually enjoyed the film score. Uh, it wasn't until The Crow came out that I then also enjoyed that film score. And pretty much from that point forward, I'm like, I started paying more attention to film scores. Um, so both the soundtrack and the score to that film are phenomenal. Check them out, especially if you like rock, alternative, grunge, on a little bit of a deeper, emotional, darker level than that soundtrack is right up your alley. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pulp revenge fantasy at its best. And it's not, you know, it doesn't take, uh, the comic book, which was done by James O'Barr, doesn't take the whole, um, you know, like I, like, like I said in the, in the information, like the, the taking on the mantle of the crow. <sighs> I wouldn't say that the crow is actually the character who rises from the dead. The crow is just, the bird it's the supernatural thing that happens to the person the person they are no longer who they were in life but i also don't think that they're really like the crow per se if you read the comics you would kind of understand where i'm coming from uh but it takes the dark moody uh you know feeling of the comic book and it translates it very well onto onto film um it's it's even though it's dark and it's gritty and you can barely make anything out on screen sometimes. It's still beautifully shot. Uh, it's just a pure expression of morbid adolescent romanticism. And um, that's why The Crow is at number four on my list. All right, getting into the top three superhero films. We are now at... Three! Avengers Endgame. Now, I can go into, like, a whole thing with the MCU and the Avengers, but that's a whole nother episode, my friends. We're not going to get into that. Uh, I'm going to try not to go off the rails here. Uh, th there's still two more to go as well, so we'll see what those are. But, uh, you know, I can't, I, I, I don't want to get too crazy here. So we're just going to go straight into it, just digging it. Avengers Endgame is pr still pretty recent. Um, you're talking that it came out uh, just two years ago, back in 2019. Um, PG-13, by the way. And uh, it was directed by the Russo brothers, Anthony and Joe, produced by Kevin Feige, of course. Uh, and I have no idea who Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely are outside of Marvel, um, but they wrote it. Uh, and it started streaming um, like a few months later in July 2019. Uh, it grossed 
$858.4 million on a three-hour, one-minute runtime. And, of course, we all know, like I said, it falls within the MCU. Um, the cast, I mean, shit. I mean, I could probably talk, what, ten more minutes here uh, with the cast. But, of course, we had Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man and Chris Evans as Captain America and Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk and Chris Hemsworth as Thor and Scarlett Johansson as a Black Widow and Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye. And I can go on and on and on. But I think we all know <sighs> who's in that movie. Uh, quickly, just a quick synopsis here. Uh, adrift in space with no food or water, Tony Stark sends a message to Pepper Potts, uh, who is played by that bitch. That crazy bitch with the fake business. I always forget her name. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Thanks, Todd. Uh, as his oxygen supply starts to dwindle. Uh, meanwhile, the remaining Avengers, Thor, Black Widow, Captain America, Bruce Banner, a.k.a. the Hulk, must figure out a way to bring back their vanquished allies for an epic showdown with Thanos, the evil demigod who decimated the planet and the universe. Ooh. Uh, yeah, so controversial uh, in-game. <sighs> There's some people that... that, that don't think that, um, well, I mean, oh boy, without giving away my other two, I'll just say that s some people probably would probably put this higher, and then some people probably wouldn't even put this in their top three. That's just how it is. It's subjective, and it depends upon, you know, you keep comparing it to the last one, and the one before that, and one before that, and that's how it works. Uh, but in my opinion, it's, it's the third best MCU movie, um, Ah, boy. I don't want to, I don't want to, I can't say anymore. I can't, I can't talk anymore about it. Because then you'll, you'll know what will not be in my top two. I think I'm going to have to do an MCU episode. I'm, I'm going to have to do an MCU episode. But that's going to be, that's all, that's all I can tell you. That's all I can tell you. Um, I mean, it it takes a story. It adds, uh, you know. I mean, at this point, it's adding a lot more humanity um, to the story. The characters come out a little bit more human, um, you know. And it just the whole three hours is held together so well that it's almost like a, a, a feat of engineering, if you will. Um, it would be nearly unfathomable to have spent more than 20 preceding films with these characters and not feel anything at the end of these sometimes tedious, mostly satisfying Avengers Endgame. But it helps that the characters are a little bit more drawn out. You know that there's characters that feel defeated. You know that there's characters that feel like they failed. And that's what helps actually hold the whole movie together and that's why all i can say at this point <laughs> avengers endgame is number three on my list the last two we're in the home stretch folks the last two and we're doing pretty good on time on this one i love it nice and short and sweet just like how the women don't like it <laughs> Two. The Dark Knight. 
much like the crow, there's gonna be some people there and be like, "Damn, the Dark Knight's not your number one." Because I huge into Dark Knight. Huge. The Dark Knight took everything that was good about Batman Begins and just shot it full of fucking heroin and cocaine and sometimes morphine and then some speed and then you know gave it like a 150 proof bottle of whiskey and i mean it was like because batman begins in my opinion it it dragged on there was a lot of moments where it just dragged especially like the first two-thirds of the film it dragged and it's still a good film uh don't get me wrong it's still one of the better more realistic superhero films but uh the dark knight is just phenomenal would it have been as good if heath ledger hadn't died Yes, I do honestly think so. We can see how pivotal of a character that the Joker can be on film or in print. And if you've got an actor that can take the role and however they deem that version of the Joker to be. I mean, each Joker has kind of been different so far. The Joker from from 89... And this Joker in 2008 and the recent Joker with, I can never say his name, Joking, 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 Joking Phoenix, um, Joaquin, <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix. Um, they've all been different iterations of the character. And whatever iteration they were, it's that actor that brought that out. Could Jack Nicholson play Heath Ledger's Joker? Fuck no. Could... Joaquin Phoenix play Nicholson's Joker? Fuck no. They, it, it can't be, they can't do it. It's, it's, that's why I think each one for how they are have been perfectly cast, but as good as Joaquin Phoenix was, and yes, he won an Oscar as well for his portrayal of the Joker. Was it an Oscar? He won an award. I don't know if it was an Oscar or a Golden Globe, but I know he won some shit. I remember his speech. He was kind of a, kind of a, a little bit of a dick, but, um, yeah, like, well, He's always kind of a weirdo, isn't he? I think he's always kind of questionable the way he is as a as a person. Uh, now I'm not saying that in a bad way. I think he's just got some quirks. That's yeah, okay. Before anybody slits my throat over this, I should probably shut up. Uh, but but you know he won an award as well as Heath Ledger did. Uh, unfortunately, he was gone by then. But um, yes, I think I think the film would have been good. Christian Bale is still <sighs> he is the best batman for what his batman is for that just like I the same way with the jokers his batman is is a little bit of keaton's but darker and i think christian bale does well with that and ben affleck's batman uh he's He's a little bit more violent. He's got some one-liners. Um, kind of like Keaton's Batman a little bit with the with the one-liners, the, the dry humor kind of coming out. But uh, Ben Affleck's, you know, okay. He's all right. Um, I still think I still am partial to Keaton's Batman. I always, always will be. And we don't talk about the Kilmer or the Clooney because those don't matter. I'm getting off the rails here. Uh, but yes, I think it would have still been as good. Unfortunately, it's no, it's not my number one. Anyway, the movie, PG-13, uh, directed by Christopher Nolan, as we all know. And it was produced by Emma Thomas 
and Christopher Nolan as well, right, written by the Nolans, Jonathan and Christopher. Came out July 18th, 2008, and it started streaming June 14th, 2010. And it made like a billion dollars at the box office or something, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, that's the number uh, I'm being given. Um, boy, I, I don't know that 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 sounds weird. Uh, but I mean, it was the budget was like 200 million. So I guess it's it's not unheard of, I guess, for it to make a billion. Um, that just blows my mind right now. I don't think I ever looked at that number before. It made a billion fucking dollars. Jesus H. Uh, a little bit more info. Um, with the help of Allies Lieutenant Jim Gordon, played by Gary Oldman. I love Gary Oldman. Huge Gary Oldman fan. Huge. I see everything he's in. I just want to say that. And DA, District Attorney, Harvey Dent, played by Aaron Eckhart. Batman, played by Christian Bale, has been able to keep a tight lid on crime in Gotham City. But when a vile young criminal calling himself the Joker, played by Heath Ledger, suddenly throws the town into chaos, the Cape Crusader begins to tread a fine line between heroism and vigilantism. Uh, and it falls within its own Nolan Batman universe. Um, we might... We're going to see a lot of crazy shit, apparently, in this Flash movie, uh, which the Flash movie is going to be in the DCEU. And if, um, if this Flash movie, all the rumors are to be true, everything that had its own universe, Keaton's Batman, Nolan's Batman, um, I don't know what else is rumored to be in there, but we could see things from other universes that are now going to be part of the DCEU. It's crazy to think of, but, um, yeah, it just, um, I mean, the highest compliment I can give Nolan's Dark Knight right now is to say that there there were many long stretches during which I didn't even realize it was even a superhero movie. That's how good it was. You know what you're getting into with that opening scene, man. I mean, I just, I, I watched that movie. I've seen it. I, I must have saw it five times in the theater and I just keep watching it. Uh, actually, whenever t every time I get a new TV... That's the movie I put on because I want to see how good the TV is because I, that movie looks great. That lo movie looks phenomenal on like a really good TV. Uh, that opening scene uh, with the bank robbery and just like you get, mm, I, I'm not doing that very well, but there's like that, there's like this, this like almost like a high pitched humming noise. And that's all you hear as you see, you know, get to the rooftop. And it's like, you know that this is going to be a different movie, <laughs> you know, like so good. Um, I, you know, I, it is easily the best. I mean, obviously I'm going to, I'm just going to tell you right now, there is no other better Batman movie. So there's no other Batman movie or any movie with Batman in it. That's number one. Um, this is quite easily the best Batman movie ever made. And it will always forever be hard to top. Uh, the Dark Knight, but uh, yeah, The Dark Knight, it falls at number two on my list today. All right, here we are, folks. The Crescendo. Ah, boy, here we go. One. Black Panther.
Yeah, uh, I think a lot of people might be surprised that I think Black Panther is the greatest superhero movie of all time. Um, but it simply is. I There's not a lot of movies, superhero movies, that I go into with low expectations. Um, because they've pretty much all kind of come out to the point where you're holding them to high standards already. So, um, but Black Panther wasn't a character I was intimately familiar with as far as my comic book history goes. And so I kind of went in with mixed anticipation. Um, and my expectations were a little tempered. I didn't know what to expect. Um, and as it turns out, it was, I, I remember at the end of the movie, just my breath was taken away at how great it was. The visuals, the ensemble, the, like the, the fight sequences. I mean, it was just the acting. Um, and, and I know, and, and I've seen some Chadwick Boseman movies since then. Uh, the first movie I saw him in before Black Panther was 42, a uh, phenomenal film, by the way. Um, but I really think, obviously, it was Black Panther that made me realize this guy is just a gem. When he passed away, I didn't realize how much of an effect that he had on me um, in bringing his art into my brain. Um and I was devastated, and I'm not going to lie, I, I cried. Um, and I'm getting kind of choked up just thinking about that. It's Chadwick Boseman's death. Um, there's people that have died that were important uh, to me. Um, where I'm always going to remember, like where I was when I heard. And, um, you know, he's one of them. Um and I didn't know it. I had no idea. I had no idea what I, I had no idea the effect. Um, but that's just how great of an actor he was to me and how sorely I am going to miss, um, you know, the, the art of, of acting that he brought, uh, to everyone. Um, anyway, uh, getting a little choked up here, but yes, uh, Black Panther, uh, PG 13. Um, and it was directed by Ryan Coogler and of course produced by Kevin, the man himself. Uh, it was also written by, uh, Ryan Coogler, by the way, came out February 16th, 2018. Jeez. That just, that's not even too long ago. That's crazy. That's crazy to think it was, it's only been like three years. Uh, started streaming, uh, May 2nd, 2018. Uh, and it grossed $700.2 million, and it ran two hours, 14 minutes. It falls within the MCU. Uh, other actors uh, in the movie, uh, Michael B. Jordan, uh, also very good actor. And I have a feeling if, if he all of a sudden just kind of died, that that would probably affect me negatively as well. Uh, he plays Killmonger. And um, there's other names I'm going to have trouble pronouncing. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o. I, I I think I got that right. Uh, she plays Nakia, and um, uh, one of my favorite actresses, you know, ever since she appeared as Michonne on The Walking Dead. 
I still have a problem with her name too. I know her first name's Denai. Uh, Guerrera, I'm guessing is how you say her last name. I've, I've heard it a million times and I still, there's something about like, like how the syllables and the vowels run together and some names that I just, I, they don't roll off the tongue for me very easily, but, um, she's in the film. Martin Freeman is in the film as well. Um, very good actor. We all know who Martin Freeman is. And by the way, if you ever want to see, uh, if you haven't already seen Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch together, you need to watch the Sherlock series. Fantastic series uh, that nobody talks about. Um, anyway, uh, Black Panther information, uh, movie synopsis, stuff like that. Uh, after the death of his father, T'Challa returns home to the African nation of Wakanda to take his rightful place as king. When a powerful enemy suddenly appears, T'Challa's medal as king and as Black Panther gets tested when he's drawn into a conflict that puts the fate of Wakanda and the entire world at risk. Faced with treachery and danger, the young king must rally his allies and release the full power of Black Panther to defeat his foes and secure the safety of his people. Black Panther was a moment, not just for Marvel fans and Disney, uh, Disney fans, but... It was the rare instance of a film purporting itself to be a cultural movement, and it succeeded in that. I mean, uh, black people finally had like a strong superhero character that they could look up to. Um, I mean, I heard stories when this came out of the inner city schools doing field trips to see Black Panther. Um, and that is fantastic. It's it, it it was so well, and it really was like the type of film where now you've got like the token white guy in Martin Freeman, kind of role reversal here, on a, just a mass scale. I mean, it was for the masses, brought to the masses, and it just, it did so well on so many avenues, uh, both for Marvel and for superheroes, and for bringing a lesser known Black Panther, kind of like how it was like Iron Man, like an Iron Man film is not going to be good, but look what it, look what it did. Look what it kicked off. Right. Same thing with kind of like Black Panther, like every movie that comes out from Marvel, where you're like, what the fuck is this character? Like, I haven't heard of the guardians of the galaxy. What the fuck is an Ant-Man? They all end up doing very well. I mean, they're, they're good movies. Um, and, you know, Black Panther just ended up being absolutely phenomenal. The only one complaint I have is I kind of don't like the ending fight sequence. Uh, it's, it's really because of how dark it is. And then you got like the, the flashing lights that kind of happen occasionally. And like, it's very computer heavy and you can kind of like see how fake it is. Uh, unfortunately, I, that's the one complaint I have. Um, I much rather would have seen them fight someplace else, uh, Killmonger and, and Black Panther, but it is what it is. Uh, that's the only complaint. I have no other complaint about that film whatsoever. It's perfect pretty much from beginning to end. And, uh, yeah, Black Panther, um, the best MCU movie so far, in my opinion. And, um, yeah, the best uh, the best superhero movie, according to me, of all time. Number one on my list. All right, so that's going to do it. And uh, uh, because 
there is no video games in this episode. There also is no Poto Rota players pro tip of the day today. Oh, yeah. No, no, not oh, yeah. It's it's oh, no, because there isn't one. So you're just going to have to deal with it. But that's going to do it uh, for today's episode. The top seven superhero films of all time, according to me, your host, Paul, Retro Rankings Podcast. I want to thank everybody for joining. And you know what? If you enjoy this and know somebody that might enjoy this, go ahead and and share. Let's get those download numbers up. That would be fantastic. For all you that do listen already, who have listened from the beginning, I much appreciate you. I am reaching out my hand to shake yours, uh, so just pretend. Yeah, there you go. Your palm. Oh, it's a little sweaty, man. Go dry your hands off. But that's going to do it. And uh, check us out, potationrotation.com. That's where you're going to get all your potation rotation needs. And it's been recently revised and updated. It's a little little new. A um, little little more easier to find things, shall I say, uh, content and whatever. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to email me at potationrotation at gmail.com. Check us out on YouTube. And you know what? If you watch a YouTube video of ours, Potation Rotation or the Potation Rotation Reviews, just subscribe and like. You're already there. It takes a split second to do it. It means nothing for you going forward. It means a lot for me going forward. I would really appreciate that as well. That's going to do it. I said that like this is like the fourth time I said that's going to do it. It's going to do it. I'm done. I'm done talking to you. Now you guys go away. I'm going to go away now. I'm going to go. Goodbye. See you guys next time.